Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle and joining me tonight are Leo Kurse and Josh Howie. How are you both? Can I just say that I congratulate you on that bright kaleidoscopic shirt. Thank you very you're, much. You're, you're so extreme, Leo. You're, yeah. such, you're, you're a provocateur. Right. Well, you? I mean, actually, Hawaiian shirts have been linked to, I'm sure I read a Guardian article, they've been linked to Hawaii, but <laughs> yeah. also... Studies are suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. But also, uh, I think, uh, either white supremacy or, uh, or alt-right. Oh, People good to wear. know. Yeah, because of because of you. No, no, you're... not not because of me. And, and apparently in America. Are you sure you're not a trendsetter? I think it's just yeah. because uh, you know they sell them in the well, places. Let's leave where... those connotations on the back burner <laughs> and uh, move on very swiftly and look at tomorrow's front pages. And we're going to start with the Daily Mail, which leads with Queen's Jubilee Olive Branch to Harry and Meghan. So the Queen will be welcoming Harry and Meghan at the Jubilee celebrations, and of course, Lily Bet. On to Saturday's Daily Telegraph, which leads with, we've got to move on or we'll die. It's Tory MP's son on the front line. So this is a former Royal Marine who has saved a fellow Briton during a battle in Ukraine after their unit was ambushed. Saturday's Independent goes with, PM accused of changing rules to save own skin. And there's a picture there of the memorial at the aftermath of that horrible school shooting in America. On to Saturday's Guardian now. Fury as PM changes code of conduct to save his skin there. That's more. We're going to be talking about that later on. Boris Johnson changing the rules there for his own benefit, potentially. Saturday's FT weekend has EY ways listing for an advisory arm. Also there, police face parents' anger. That's the uh, more on Texas. And uh, some of the parents suggesting that the police should have intervened uh, sooner. Saturday's Mirror has heirs to the future. That's the Queen's Jubilee finale plan, which will include Charles, Wills and George. On to Saturday's Express. That leads with holiday hell and it's going to get worse. And this is about the half-term holidays and the various chaos at airports that were going on yesterday. And they will uh, exacerbate by all accounts. On to Saturday's Sun, Andy's three in a bed but they all fell asleep. This is Andy Carroll, apparently passed out in a hotel bed with two blondes during his raucous stag do. Sounds like a success to me. And finally, Saturday's Daily Star has and uh, relax. Half-term getaway hit by road and airport chaos. And those are tomorrow's front covers. But to kick us off, we've got some good news in Saturday's Guardian with Boris's claim that we are not heading into a recession, Leo. Yeah, Pause Boris. celebration, right? Boris says we're not heading into a recession. And let me tell you, that man never lies. You can, you can <laughs> put that in the bank. I'm, I'm going to take out a bet that this definitely happens. So, I mean, obviously, we're in, we're in some sort of uh, dicey economic straits. At the moment, uh, we've got... Uh, We've got spiralling inflation. The, the official rate is 9%, but the, the real rate is, uh, is something around you know, 15%. Um, and uh, we've got the coming food crisis. Uh, but uh, Boris says that we're 
not necessarily heading for a recession, so he's announced this £15 billion package uh, to deal with rising energy bills that will also stimulate the eco economy. But he says there are other things that are incredibly exciting coming up. So uh, he says if we have a proactive approach to talent from abroad, so we control immigration, but also allow people to come in, which doesn't sound like controlling immigration, we fix our energy supply issues and we fix issues in the UK labour market, uh, you know, things will be good. And uh, in fairness, we do have uh, pretty much an all-time low unemployment rate at the moment. It's 3.7%, I think. Yes, but I mean, Boris Johnson's predictions haven't known for being... I mean, last year he was talking about how fears of inflation were completely unfounded. And what is it now? 9%? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People saying it's going to go up to double digits very soon. I mean, you know, he's not Nostradamus, no. is it? That's not his skill. Josh, what do you think about all this? Well, yeah, but him saying the like, low unemployment rate, the, the problem is that the, a lot of the people in those jobs aren't earning enough to pay for the basic bills. Mm. So that, it doesn't really matter if those people are employed or not. If they can't actually live off what they're earning with their actual jobs, yes. they're in trouble. I mean, do you think with the cost of living crisis and with this announcement from Rishi Sunak uh, that he's going to do something, do all he can to bail us out, to help us out? He's going to double the uh, the amount of money that we get. I think it was 200 before, now it's going to be 400. Yeah. Do you think that this is something that is going to work? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Tories have traditionally been a sort of low-tax, low-spend government, mm. and now they're just throwing <laughs> that out the window. I mean, the last two years, they've yeah. just been printing money, handing money uh, handing money out. They've become a socialist government. They've become a socialist <laughs> government. They've, they've stolen all the sort of popular ideas from the Labour Party. So all, all the Labour Party's yeah. left with is arguing over what a woman is. And, uh, <laughs> Those are the important questions, yeah. though, let's yeah. be honest. But, but the, I don't know, the problem is that, and I've said this before, is it's not targeted. Right. Giving everybody £400, and even people with second homes is ridiculous like they are doing that to be fair they are going to also have extra money for people who need it but just giving everybody 400 pounds isn't like isn't necessarily the answer here also and i said this and this is the best thing about being on the show um is that like normally i'll be in the pub and i'll be arguing with mates and then the thing, exact thing that I said happens, happens. And I say, I told you that like a couple of months ago. And they go, no, you never said that. Well, I got this on record. I'm gonna go and find the clip of it. And I said <laughs> that Sunak should have, they, when they voted a couple of weeks ago in parliament to not do the windfall tax, I was like, that is a ridiculous thing because he's just gonna do it in the end anyway. And it's gonna look at that point, like he, he you know, he looks behind the times, he's just following Labour. They should have got ahead of it mm. months ago when this was first proposed yeah. and done it then. And what, what they need to do now is secure our food and secure the world's food by, by removing the Russian blockade on Ukrainian ports. Mm. Yep. So send the Navy in there, sink some Russian ships. You've got all the answers and you've yeah. got all the prophecies. And people can, <laughs> they can go onto our Come YouTube channel us. and they can yeah. check it out. Although, to be fair, Josh, you do get a lot wrong as well. That's the, that's the downside of that, to be yes. fair. Yes, we'll see. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to, we'll find <laughs> You're out. You're going to prove me wrong, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mother Shipton. OK, let's move on now, Saturday's Telegraph. It looks like the taxpayer has another large bill looming. Josh, this is exactly what we need, right? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have an extra £13.5 uh onto the taxpayers because of increased pension payouts. Because uh, Sonek has also basically said that this whole triple lock thing going up with inflation, it, they it stopped it, what was going on with COVID. Um, but now it's going back up. And because obviously inflation has gone up 10, 10%, yes. that means that everybody's um, pensions are going to go up about 10%. Mm. This, I mean, this does strike me as a, an important cost, though, doesn't it? I mean, isn't it the sign of a civilization that we look after our elderly and, you know, that people Absolutely. are Absolutely. But, but there's, there's obviously, there's different pensions here. And according, you know, to which, how old you were, uh, you know, the people who are a bit older, they're getting a lot more for their for the money they invested. And and we are then paying for it. Yeah. And and the, 
there are a lot of people in that generation who are incredibly wealthy because uh, they were around at the right time when, when jobs <laughs> paid a lot of money. You could buy a house for relatively, uh, you know, a cheap amount of money compared to, to average earnings. Yeah. And they've, they've kept that equity and it's grown hugely. So, you know, we're sort of, it's falling on the, the burden of working people now who are suffering under the cost of, you know, rising energy prices and inflation and all the rest of it. And uh, so they're paying these, uh, these rich people to sit around in the gardens. I don't know, just nope. part of me thinks, couldn't we just let COVID do a bit more. Goodness me. <laughs> aren't, aren't you saying then that we're just, we're rewarding them because they lucked out and actually they should? Yeah. Well, yeah, but to yeah. be fair, they had the hardships as well, didn't they? They didn't have Netflix. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Various, you know, yeah, but, They grew up at a, at a harder time. But it's called the golden generation. It's that year, 1948, I think. Mm. And everything that they've had since then, um, like rationing ended, they became teenagers in the 60s, yeah. there was the pill, mm. free set. They've got you everything. Know, they had, they had everything. House prices, everything. Everything has like, worked out oh, for that generation. And we live in an age where we're going to run out of fish Antibiotics are going to stop working. Yeah. We're all going to perish. No, you're right. Tax and debt. Yeah. They shouldn't get anything. Yeah. They, should, they should be punished. By the way, our viewership just halved. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's worth it. That's the cost. But they're the only people who can afford television anymore. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, afford, exactly. yeah. Anyway, on to Saturday's Guardian next. And big energy firms don't like the sound of the new windfall tax. Well, that's hardly a surprise. You know, yeah, so they're more, they're pay a lot of money and they're upset about it. More taxes. More taxes from our allegedly pro-business conservative government. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, Sunak has, has backtracked on his uh, on his plans to have this energy windfall tax. There's As predicted a, by Josh. A, a £5 billion pound levy <laughs> on, uh, on uh, energy companies, which, you know, wasn't... The, the energy companies didn't help themselves by... Um, I, I think the, the BP executive came out and said, no, we can, we can deal with this. We've got loads of money. It's like, that's... <laughs> Not a good thing to say <laughs> when the government. Why they said it, and now they're complaining. That well, now, well, it's but Shell, that, that, it's Shell that are complaining. So uh, basically, oil and gas in insiders have reacted with surprise that the levy will remain in place until normal conditions in the energy market return, or until the end of December 2025. So this is creating some uncertainty. I mean, on the other hand, uh, Sunak has also introduced tax breaks. So for every every pound you invest in oil exploration, uh, you That's get. Right, so I think it's renewables. Isn't it? Oh no, it's no, not it's, renewables. It's renewables. It's, it's also yeah. oil exploration because they're, they're saying that this is their defence, isn't it? This yeah. is that saying that why they shouldn't be yeah. taxed in this. But, and this, this is this is basically what we need. We need to encourage oil exploration and, and development of these fields. We're sitting on all this oil, but we're at Russia's mercy at the moment. So we need to get that oil out of the ground and, and burn it in large engines. Uh, driving SUVs. Or ever the environmentalist. Josh, do you have any thoughts on this particularly? Yeah, I just think that, yeah, Shell, uh, of course they're going to sort of, they're going to complain oh. about it. And But but at least they're sort of doing it in a slightly nicer way. BP has sort of said that they're going to they're going to review its North Sea investment plans uh, if the levy is not a one-off thing. Okay. So there's a bit more of a threat coming from BP. But their shares have only gone down like 1 or 2%. But here's so the thing. Not, I mean, exactly. Well, they've been, they've been rising over the, I mean, I've got shares in BP and Shell and they've been... Have Shooting up over the last year, over the last uh, <laughs> yeah, he's the not a bunch in, uh, in during lockdown when they, they plummeted because oil was went into negative value. So for you a while. do the stocks? Yeah, yeah. I, just, I didn't. Yeah, but how I'll did lose, you have spare I money? I lose loads of money on them as well. <laughs> yeah. Gambler, I might, I might as well just spend it on lottery tickets. But look, right. So the problem with I have with this is that we had last week this news about the investors revolting at Shell because 
they were angry that the chief executive was getting, what was it, a 13.5 million pounds payout. Uh, we've had reports recently of massive bonuses with the big oil companies, right? So they're doing fine. And like you say it yourself, they're boasting. They're boasting about all this money. So why shouldn't they be taxed? They're not doing fine, though. I mean, oil was very, very cheap for a very long time. So it really hurt these companies. And when, when people think, oh, it's just millionaires making money off these companies, it's not. It's uh, pension funds, uh, you know, unions, all, all the rest of it. So, uh, so it really affects all of us. And, uh, you know, all right, there, there, there's some good times now. I mean, relatively good times. Oil, oil price has gone up, you know, quite a bit. But that's quite a short-term thing. And, uh, and also the oil price was, was low for a very long time. So there's been a lack of investment in any uh, developing new, new sources of oil and gas. OK, well, you need to think more carefully about your investments, I think. I, I, that's incredible <laughs> that you do that. I didn't know that about you. Anyway, sticking with Gar The Guardian now. So Boris is making some changes in Whitehall. Josh, you've got this one, I believe? Yeah, so this is uh, the front cover on quite a few newspapers. Uh, they sort of said, basically, yeah, to save his own skin. So this is the classic... <laughs> this, is, this is just the classic thing where uh, changing the rules for the rules that he's already broken. So can basically. this be right, though? Because this reminds me of... Two, do you remember in 2008 when, when Berlusconi in Italy, mm. he changed... He had the law mm. changed so that he couldn't be held accountable. He had immunity from prosecution. He yeah. did it himself. It was so brazen. But you expect it of someone like Berlusconi. Mm. Is that what he's doing yeah, here? Yeah, and you expect it... it and the, the sad thing is you expect it of someone like Boris Johnson. I mean, how many times are you going to do these kind of transgressions? And people just... We're just shrugging now. So what specifically? So, Leah, what is it? So he's, he's changing the ministerial code. Yeah, so, so you don't need to, to stand down... Uh, uh, you can if take what? a cut if in salary if, if you breach the uh, breach the ministerial code. If you lie, yeah, basically. If you do something that he's definitely going to do yeah. at some point <laughs> in the future. But this is this is at a time when uh, the government's bringing in legislation that restricts uh, the civilians' freedom, restricts uh, citizens' freedom. So we've got the the policing bill, the online yes. safety bill, and these are these are hugely restrictive uh, laws on uh, you know long held. Freedoms, but you know, while they're doing that, they're chipping away at parliamentary democracy by by you know lifting any restrictions on themselves. I find this so surprising because it's not just lying, is it? It's that if you knowingly mislead the House of Parliament. Well, yeah. he, this, although that's that, that's the difference. He's saying that what he's taken away is lacking openness and honesty. Like that's now being changed. Right. But still, if a minister knowingly misleads the House of Commons, that is still a resignation matter. But the thing okay. is, okay. when it comes to like, he's a great liar, and great liars believe the thing. So if I say, I love Leo's shirt, <laughs> you know, you can tell that I'm massively lying. Whereas I actually do love Leo's shirt. That's the difference between you and do I. Do you, though? I, I do, but then I'm colourblind, I've got no taste. I, okay, just, wish, I just wish I had the self-confidence to dress like a 14-year-old skateboarder. You know what? Yo, I, this is how we... Do. <laughs> I love both of your looks. Where's, you should have a snapback cap inside with I do wear a snapback cap. <laughs> I, know, I like the ostentatious pimp look, but I also like that kind of insipid, bland, functional look. Thank I you, Gap. Gap ad. Those are good and, and worthy. Good anyway, lying there. Let's, I'm a great liar. Let's move on. Saturday's Times next. And yet more Tory MPs are turning against Boris Johnson, it seems. Leo, you've got this one. Yes, yeah, so Boris has suffered his first re resignation since the publication of Sue Gray's report into lockdown-breaking parties. Uh, so a Tory MP has accused him of pre presiding over a toxic culture in Number 10. This is uh, Paul Holmes, the Conservative MP for Eastleigh. Uh, he's resigned from his junior government role as a parliamentary private secretary to Priti Patel, the Home Secretary. And also, there, there have been, in the past couple of days, there have been letters uh, mm. of no confidence. Five, I think five... So there were, there were three in one day. So there were three Tory MPs in one day, all sent yeah. the letters. 
letter to the 1922 committee yeah. to Sir yeah. Graham, Graham Brady. And you have to get 54 letters before you I get there. I think the they've got 22 ish. They've got 22 so far. Yeah. Right? But they, they would just need 54 to break yeah. the threshold. Yeah. And do they, do they just sit there so it's not like they get withdrawn? I think you, ca you can withdraw them. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So they need to. But they're building up, aren't they? The, the yeah, yeah. Now, it'll know, reach a tipping point because, you know, Boris has got away with a lot. He's dodged a lot of uh, bullets so far. So, you know, we're sort of, we're, let, I mean, let's see what happens next week. I mean, Boris I'm, seems certain it's all going to get better. But. Well, he, well, he always is ever the optimist. But, I mean, isn't there a sense in which he is going to run out of time? I mean, one of the things, people are genuinely shocked about this mm. within the party. You know, I mean, this, this Paul Holmes MP, he's specifically saying that he's angry, especially about the abuse to the cleaners, to the, the, the staff mm. there. You know, and it does ring a little bit like uh, the Bullingdon Club writ large. You remember there were all, the, all those stories about the Bullingdon Club, about how they used to trash restaurants and just throw, write a cheque and say, yeah. Old, you know, yeah. and of course Boris Johnson comes from that background. He was in the Bullingdon Club, you know, and so I think people are sick of not just sick of it on a moral level, but they also don't like the way that the the public perception is being skewed mm. about their party. And I, I I don't know whether he can, mind you, I always say this. I don't know if he can survive this. Yeah. And he always survives it, doesn't he? Yeah, he but always does. Yeah, but they're right in that people are repulsed by their behaviour. But I mean, seeing those photos, and you know what was the most damning thing about them was just how much alcohol. Was that? It I mean, it so was extreme, just <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You English people are so. If it was bottles of Iron Brew, you'd be like, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just amazed people left it all open. If, if that was a Scottish party with the, you know, in the Scottish Parliament, it would be in carrier bags between people's legs. I'm sure. Okay, just uh, keep it. <laughs> at Holyrood, they probably supply every parliamentarian with Buckfast, don't they, before every and it's, meeting? And it's paid for by England as right, well. As it should be. <laughs> Saturday's Times again, and now is probably not the best time for the National Rifle Association to hold a convention. Josh, they all, do you know what? They always do this, don't they? Yeah, well, they always hold in conventions. But this is in Texas, in the same state where this shooting happened. And the school shooting. The school shooting, yeah. yeah. And the video that's been coming out today has just been... One of the most horrible things to see was there were parents arguing with the police, get, getting arrested by the police who are waiting there. Then there are these logs that have come out from 911 of the children calling the police saying, where are you over this kind of 40-minute period? And these police were just waiting outside. So they were stopping the parents getting in. This is really important because after Sandy Hook, they changed the, the rules. So the rules were mm. that the police would set up a perimeter and they would wait for the SWAT teams, right? And then they changed those rules after Sandy Hook and they were meant to go in. Mm. You're, you're yeah. meant to go in, right? And, and and, and they and the, the you know the police have said that they were concerned for their safety. They were you know when you sign up for the police force, if there are kids in danger of yeah, their lives, nice. you you've you've made that commitment. Yeah. You go in and exactly what you say, seeing parents being handcuffed. Yeah, it was because they're, they're they're terrified. And some of the police went in and got their own children. No. Yeah, really? there's like what there's a there, there's there's like a someone put out a statement. One of the police statements said, "Is that we just went an allegation?" No, no, that was what that was the words of a one of the policemen said. We went in and checked to get and then got the, they got the, like two of their own kids out or something. One and of the police. Oh yeah. So what about this, uh, Leo? About the, the NRA? Because the thing about the NRA. No, I know that this uh, convention was organised before the massacre occurred. But sometimes there have been cases where there have been massacres, school massacres. Yeah. And the NRA have deliberately stage a convention uh, in the aftermath, right? This is something that they do. Don't you think that it would just, but basic human compassion mm. would dictate that you stop it? It's become an incredibly politicized issue in America, an inc incredibly partisan issue. It's and not become though, it 
I well, mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. But it, it, it wasn't 200 years ago. 200 no, yeah, years yeah. ago, owning a gun to protect yourself from your own government was a good idea. Um, but, you know, obviously now that 18-year-olds can get hold of AR-15s, mm. you know, automatic weapons, These it's, are self-reloading weapons. These are yeah. weapons they... But, the, I mean, the, the scary thing is, uh, every time there's a threat to... Every time it looks mm. like the Democrats are going to... Or, or whatever, whoever's in government is going to uh, Im- increase uh, gun control, they sell way more guns yeah. and way more ammo because people want to stockpile it before the, before the gate comes of down. Of course, mm. yeah. I mean, uh, it's an argument that I've always tried to understand because I just, for, for the life of me, I just sort of think the access to guns must be part of the problem yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, I understand the other side of the argument, which is if the government turns tyrannical, mm. you have to have means to defend yourself. Yeah. But ultimately, this doesn't happen in other countries. And also, if the government turns tyrannical, I mean, an 18-year-old with, with an AR-15 or even a bunch of guys with AR-15s aren't going to be able to do it. Well, they're doing pretty good in Ukraine. Yeah, but they've, they're... they're <laughs> They're armed by the government. Yeah, they're armed by the US. There are some insane things that are coming out. You must have seen. I know we can say we can say the word the D I L D O word. We're allowed to say that. Um, Well, let's just spell it. Okay, we spelt it. Yes. Well, anyway, if you got that, if you if you can spell, then you'll know that you can have in Texas. You can own five of those, but you can have an infinite amount of AK forty sevens. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, how many holes have you got? (laughs) Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle. Still with me as we dive into part two are comedians Leo Kurse and Josh Howie. Kicking things off in part two, we have Saturday's Telegraph. With the Scots looking like they are in need of money, Leo. Not the Scots, the SNP, the government that rules over the Is Scots. Important at the moment. It's an important you. distinction. You're, you're best friends, right? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Scot, but they don't speak for me. Uh, so Nicola Sturgeon, basically, she's, uh, I don't know if you know, but the, the Barnet formula uh, means that um, Westminster gives Scotland an extra £15 billion, pounds, more than you know is raised in taxes in Scotland, um, to, to pay for extra stuff, to pay for over, over all the cracks in the, the SNP mistakes. Uh, but now, on top of that, Nicola Sturgeon is going to be begging Whitehall for three and a half billion pounds more because uh, she's she's pledged, you know, basically she, she can just make up whatever she wants and she knows she knows Westminster will just hand over the hand over the dosh. So she's uh, pledged to overspend in Scotland by £640 per person uh, on top of the Barnet formula. And this is, bear in mind, this is in a backdrop against a backdrop of absolute cataclysmic failure on every level by the Scottish government. So the SNP have failed on health, failed on education, uh, drug deaths have, have rocketed up. They're, I think they're five times higher than they were when the SNP came to, came to power. Life expectancy is dropping in Scotland. Uh, and there's this huge budget deficit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I, don't, I think instead of, instead of handing over this money, uh, Westminster should maybe just make the SNP pay their own way. And then the people of Scotland can see what an independent Scotland, you know, have a little taste of an independent Scotland. I think for balance, we're going to have to go to a pro-SMP perspective, Mm. potentially. I mean, so all of these horrible things happening. Sure. Life expectancy lowering, so now it's, what, 30? (laughs) Rather than 35. So what what do you make? Josh, are you defend the SMP here? Sure, yeah. The SNP are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, it does seem like that's quite a miscalculation, but they're just not doing the maths. Well, they, the that, funny thing about the maths is that they had these projections and they said that actually it could be between a 10 billion shortfall or a 4 billion surplus. Right. And the person who, the people who were saying that this whole, that it's probably going to be like 3.5 billion shortfall, they said it almost certainly overstates the degree of uncertainty, i.e., they could have just said, yeah, we could have a 10 billion shortfall or we could have like a, we could have a trillion pound surplus. We don't know. It's like, well, yeah, it's going to be about three and a half billion. But the thing is, she spends so much time, the SNP spends so much time slagging off 
the UK, saying they want mm. to get out, and then they're going in, in a very arrogant way, saying, well, you're going to give us all this. This yeah. feels like an abusive relationship. It is, yeah. Mm. I mean, devolution has created this sort of satellite parliament that just fights back against against Westminster. And the, the irony was uh, is that devolution was supposed to create these sort of caretaker governments that would deal with local issues, and instead they don't. They, they just the SNP just care about one issue, and that's independence. Well, can I ask you, isn't this an issue, though, that there, there is effectively a one-party state in Scotland? Yeah. Right? And this is, and I know that a lot of the SNP's policies are detested by a lot of their voters, mm. but because independence is the thing that sort of lures them in, yeah. it means they can never really lose. I mean, the Tories and Labour are nowhere up there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the benefit of a, of a single-issue party. And also, you know, a single issue that you say, oh, if we get to this point, if we get the, to this golden oasis over the Rainbow Bridge, then everything's going to be wonderful. Uh, obviously, yeah. if Scotland ever got independence, yeah. it would quickly stop being yeah. a wonderful look, thing. Look, <laughs> Scotland, look at what happened with Brexit. <laughs> Beware what you right. wish for. I'm not going to let Josh get on his Brexit high horse again. He does that most nights. Saturday's Guardian next. And there's trouble at the Ministry of Defence, Josh. Yeah, so six Irish guards uh, have been held on uh, drugs and money laundering offences. And the Irish guards are actually the most operationally active unit in the British Army over uh, the last few years. Uh, their punishment, and this is really quite hor horrible for them, I feel really bad, but they're not um, going to get to take part in the Queen's a platinum jubilee mm. parade. I mean, they are really. They're going to be gutted. They are like, they could have been standing there all day in their dress uniforms, boiling hot, fainting. <laughs> they would have rather had the, yeah. the exit. And now they have they? to take all those drugs and money launder instead. I mean, they... you know what? It seems like a fair punishment to me because you have to be able to march in formation at these things, right? Yeah. And if they, they'll be like disco. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. uh, uh, uh. They'll be looking at his shirt. Oh, wow, that's trippy, man. You're not going to let the <laughs> shirt go. Have you ever taken drugs? No. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on this, Leo? I don't think they let them keep the drugs. Don't they? Oh, really? I've just got a hunch that <laughs> oh. when they catch them for stuff like this. So, yeah, they'll be, they'll be sitting taking no drugs. Unless they've got some new drugs. Well, let's yeah. not speculate. A Saturday's yeah. Times and an old face in politics is hoping to make a comeback. It seems, Leo. Well, he never went away, did he? Yeah, Tony Blair, he keeps popping up like, like the ghost of a werewolf <laughs> who's committed <laughs> terrible crimes. Uh, so, yeah, he's 69 now. He's part of the Britain Project, which is described variously as a think tank or uh, possibly a, a new party. <laughs> I don't know if it'll do as well. What was it? There was a, there was Change a... UK. Change yeah. UK. <laughs> well, by the way, two, two of the MPs from Change UK are part of this initiative. Right. So this, this bodes well, doesn't it? Because that worked out fantastically. Well. I think Change UK lasted about as long as a bottle of milk. Didn't yeah, they it? got about four people to turn up to their press conference. <laughs> and that was it. That so was what, it. Exa what exactly is Tony Blair saying here? So He's saying it's not a new party, right? It's not a new party. It's a think tank at the moment. He wants to fill the gaping hole of ideas uh, in British politics and bring debate back to the centre ground uh, at the conference next month with prospective speakers including Ruth Davidson, uh, the mm -hmm. former head of uh, the Tories in, in Scotland, who's actually, actually great and uh, gave the Tories a chance when she was, when she was there. Uh, there's Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, uh, and he hopes uh, President Macron of France. So these, these centrists are, are going to yeah. get together. But let's not forget that you know, Tony Blair has been responsible for some of, the, some of the worst ideas in British political history of a devolution, uh, faith schools, the Iraq war. You know, this, this isn't a man is, with... Is, yeah, but also, he, the, their government did do a lot of good. So they did. They did a lot of good on social issues. On education, they, they, they education. spent money, they yeah. spent money right. that so, they didn't well, have. Well, Anybody can spend money they don't have. The well, Tories they, do it all well, the time. Well, they did have it. They they, they left the government with a surplus at the, when they when they went out. Well, the or PPE not when they stuff? went out, but the, the PPE stuff. Did that? Did I'm not. I'm not saying they're perfect, but they found ways of getting off the balance. Not saying they did perfect, you know. But my big idea is bring back Gordon Brown. 
That's my. <laughs> I don't think he wants to come back. To be fair, but th but this is an interesting thing. Why? Right? Why are, is he saying we're going to bring this back to the centre? What does he think Keir Starmer is exactly? Yeah. Keir Starmer's not a radical. What, yeah. what? 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 do you think is there? What? I, what I think. What he's. Uh, look, they, I think the thing is, and he is right about this. And as, as he says, is it's all about politics at the moment and not about ideas. And I, you can absolutely criticise Keir Starmer and say that. Where are? the ideas coming from yeah, sure. to move things forward. And I'm not hearing it from the Tories, I'm not particularly hearing it from Labour either. Where are the long-term plans now for moving this country to the next the level? The government, all that needs to happen for this country to move forward peacefully and develop new ideas is for the government to not be involved. The government should just step back, <laughs> stop getting like you know, you know when there's arts council grants go to go to comedy issues. I mean, this is the industry that we know about. It goes to like the worst open mic comedians who know how to fill in forms. You just create this bureaucratic system where form fillers can get the get their get their hands on the money. We need to stop that. Just lower taxes for everybody and let people do it themselves off their own I initiative. Think, I think it's fascinating that Tony Blair has this idea uh, that people, that he's much more popular than he actually is. Yeah. Because he comes along and people, you know, people are saying that this is what well, it's the Britain project. They're modeling it on, on Marche, the Emmanuel Macron party. It's a totally different kettle of fish. Macron's really charismatic. Okay. He named his own party after his own initials okay. on Marche, Emmanuel Macron, so maybe Tony Blair could have TB, tuberculosis. <laughs> tuberculosis would be a great name for his party. Well, look, he won, tuberculosis look, he won three elections. I've seen, a, I, when I see him do a little like online video thing, he talks a lot of sense as well. He's not an idiot. No, he did, but he's become so, like Leo says, he's become so toxic with the Iraq war. Yeah. Particularly, I have to say, with people on the left. Mm. And of course, Blair never claimed to be on the left. Well, know? then maybe he should start a new party. Everybody will hate him. And uh, and then that will sort of draw draw everybody towards uh, voting Labour. Really? <laughs> we'll we'll see. That. I don't, I don't <laughs> you wish. Okay, on to Saturday's Daily Mail. And this airline company is saying goodbye to the old-fashioned Mr and Mrs. You're married, Josh. What's this about? Well... <laughs> well, because I, I know more misses than you. You, you know about a, a the, con the concept a, of Mr. and Mrs. I don't Mr. know. Mr. and Mrs. No, it's ladies and gentlemen is being taken. Oh. The, the ladies and gentlemen will be um, taken away now. When they say, ladies and gentlemen, good morning, yes. they're now going to say, passengers, good morning. Uh, and there's, there's, there's other companies that have already done this. British Airways have done it, Lufthansa. Uh, Ryanair could introduce, like, uh, good morning, scum. <laughs> uh, you know, this is your captain speaking. But the thing is, so they, they're doing it to not offend anybody as, as they are, or to be inclusive. But actually, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about it, it does work. Because it'd be like, you've got ladies for women and gentlemen for gentlemen. And then you've got the they people who are ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Yes. So, so technically, you could just absolutely leave it. It's still inclusive. This is a good point. So who exactly is it offending, Leo? Because if you are a trans person and you've transitioned to the other sex, you want to be known, known as a lady or a gentleman, yeah. right? So how does well, the specificity of the... How does the lack of specificity of the there, phrase... There are also non-binary people. Yeah, but they'd be people. ladies and gentlemen. No, but they won't. Some or people identify as neither a lady nor a gentleman. But they do as both, don't they? No, the non-binary people identify as neither. And some people identify as cake gender. And oh, some yeah, people, yeah. I very, very 758 yeah. genders now. So yeah, but you can't do that because you could, if you, you, if could you fill rattled a, off mm. all of the genders at the start of a flight, you'd never get off the tarmac. You could do it while you're in the air. You could. That could be the entire journey. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then you get your safety briefing. Well, I think this goes back to the point is, why are we worried so much about potentially offending a tiny, tiny, tiny minority of people yeah. simply by exercising customs that have been going on for decades? Yeah. That, to be honest, they're not going to be offended by. But we're seeing this... It's, it's not them, it's the people who are going to be offended on their behalf. As ever. 
But that's, we're that's, like that's that. who it's about. But you're saying it's a tiny minority of people. I don't think it's going to be a tiny minor, minority of people for long because uh, I think they're 21% of, uh, of Generation Z now identify as some sort of LGBTQ. Yeah, I but they're plus. mostly straight. And just, oh yeah, they're all straight. They're all just doing know, it. But it's just a way to exoticize being straight. Yeah, you know, th- you know, we had that for ages. You know, this was our thing, and you straights have to come along and try and disturb <laughs> it. It's people like you, you know. But, don't, but doesn't that tell you the rapid escalation of this kind of uh, multiple identification thing? Mm. That it's a phase. The yeah. fact that it's risen so rapidly would suggest to me that it's not just that people are more comfortable these days with being who they are. It suggests more kind of social contagion, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's this generation's uh, double denim. Yeah, I mean, you, you're technically under the queer category with your shirts. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I dress like a 14-year-old boy. That's, you know, we can all, we're all queer now. Sure you, look, you look like yeah. a dodgy old man who goes and hangs around near the skate park. Well, I did a, do. A box of puppies. <laughs> I do hang around there in the skate park because I used to be a skater. Oh, and, really? I took, I took my, and I took my teenage son to the skate park to show him some, some moves. Right, yeah. Man, I fell so badly, and they were filming, and it's just me on my back, just in the worst pain I've ever been. I want to on my see concert. that video. Where is that video? It's it's on my phone. It's pain. Uh, well, it, it's pain. Right, you're going to airdrop that to me, and we're going to play it tomorrow. Okay, I think that'd be brilliant. Sticking with Saturday's Mail, here is one that will turn childhood favourites into childhood nightmares. Leo. Yeah, so another much-loved franchise is being tampered with. Uh, so fans of Winnie the Pooh have reacted with horror this morning after discovering the family favourite is going to be made into a horror movie in which Pooh and Piglet become sick serial killers. Uh, you might be wondering <laughs> why this is happening because it, you know this isn't the sort of traditional route for uh, for a, you know a, a children's story. But it's because uh, the Winnie the Pooh stories came into the public domain earlier mm. this year. So now anybody can make a film or a story about Winnie the Pooh. And there's no copyright. There's issues no copyright issues, right. uh, and obviously we've seen, you know, we've seen much loved franchises like Ghostbusters and Star Wars being tampered with. Uh, but this, I, I, I support this. I think it's great that people, yeah, anybody can do whatever they want. So if mm. you don't like it, you don't need to watch it. You can go make your own one. But I actually really love this, you know, because I, I, I think it's a really fascinating mm. idea, and I would watch this film because I, you know, there comes a point where a franchise gets stale. You've got to reinvent it. You know, like with Charles play with the Chucky doll and then they brought in Bride of Chucky mm. and that made it really interesting and, and dynamic, you know, and I love horror. So wow. I, I think this should happen. That is so weird. Because you, you never really get popular references sometimes. Oh, no, if it's horror films. But horror films is your thing. That turns out not, to be your thing. Not just horror films, but horror films that dis- distort childhood memories. You know, so, for instance, the leprechaun films are fantastic. You know, you, you think of a cute leprechaun, but it's, it's leprechaun, it's leprechaun in the hood. Uh, leprechaun I thought they were documentaries. Space. I didn't realise. Well, wow. they were filmed as documentaries. Okay, I'm, well, see, I'm the opposite. I cannot watch those movies. Really? Gen- like Chucky and all that, I genuinely get too scared. Watch the first leprechaun, Jennifer Aniston before the nose job. It's, oh, it's, really? it's a really, oh. it's a really it's, I mean, that's horrifying in and of itself. But it's a really interesting film. But I think, do, let's do this to Winnie the Pooh. Mm. You know, yeah. Do you like Winnie the Pooh as a child you care? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there are some people who are absolutely, uh, you know, horrified by this. Someone said, one Twitter user said that they're devastated uh, <laughs> by, by what's happening here. And might I suggest them they should check out the new Ricky Gervais special? Uh, <laughs> because I think they really like that instead. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle, and with me tonight, I have the wonderful Leo Kurse and Josh Howey as well. We're going to... <laughs> what, what's, what does he get wonderful? Well, I just think he required an adjective. He made the effort with the shirt, yeah. so he, he requires special treatment, Josh. Nice Don't complain. You're always complaining. <laughs> Let's crack on. Saturday's Times and children's authors having to watch what they write. Josh. Yeah, this is a whole new phenomenon. Uh, yeah, Anthony Horowitz, best-selling children's author, uh, has basically, he's speaking at the Hay Festival 
Uh, and he said that um, basically it seems like, uh, but we know this to be true, anybody who's online will know that children's publishing is basically uh, the scariest place to be an artist at the moment in yeah. terms of uh, like, and he works in, he's a script writer, he works in TV, he does adult novels, and he's saying children's books is basically the most uh, sort of um, captured area of woke politics. So from what I understand it, he's had his manuscript back and he's yeah. been told to change various Various things. things, yeah. And there's this thing in publishing, which a lot of people may not know about, called sensitivity readers. So publishing houses have hire these readers and what they do is they read your manuscript and they will tell you where you might have caused offence to various marginalised groups. And this happened to, this is really common now, and it happened to Kate Clanchy, the poet. She wrote a, an article about this talking about some of the feedback she'd had. And let me give you an example. She's a poet, right? So she described a landscape as defor uh, the deformity of the landscape, right? Which is a kind of poetic metaphor. Mm. Uh, and this person said, well, that might be offensive or disablest. Do you see what I mean? So, so yeah. they've got, but these people have no artistic strain. Yeah. They've got no sense of metaphor, no yeah. sense of beauty, no sense of poetry. So th th this is really bad for artists, right, Leah? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's bizarre that it's happening when children's books, uh, on the other hand, seem to be showing a lot more sexualized content and mm. a lot more adult uh, references to, to gender and sexuality and things that you, you, know, you wouldn't mm. normally expect a child to uh, be aware of or discuss until it's, it's older and you know, approaching its teens. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is that there, there just seem to be a lot of bullies. So there's already been a lot of people, women, uh, children's authors who've actually, who have been cancelled, who aren't as uh, uncancelable as J.K. Rowling, yeah. uh, who've already lost their jobs, who had to leave children's literature because of the bullying over the last years for having gender critical views. Uh, the other day, uh, Anjali Ralf, who's a Muslim uh, female writer, came out in support of Ricky Gervais' uh, that bit of material, show, yeah. and she instantly got pounced on mm. by other female writers and publishers and people who work um, for like book festivals and stuff like that. And they basically were instantly trying to get her cancelled. They were like tagging in her publishers. How are you letting this person do this? And this is a woman who's written a book called Hope on the Horizon about refugees and mm. and, and she could have just left wing credentials. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. This, you know, I saw uh, Rachel Rooney, another author, who was talking about yeah. completely outrageous bullying she's had in the industry. Yeah. Gillian Phillip, who who a children's author who simply tweeted in support of J.K. Rowling. She was dropped by a publisher, by her agent. Yeah. She's retrained as a trucker and is, a pro uh, by all accounts, a lot happier for it. Yeah. She said that, probably you know, richer uh, as well. Probably richer, yeah. but she did say that the, um, the, the trucking industry is far less misogynistic uh, than that <laughs> of children's <laughs> literature. This is a serious problem. Yeah, it's a problem yeah. and this is what in the publishing industry. This is, what our, this is what our children are reading, what we're reading to our children. We're reading uh, what the bullies want them to read. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, yeah, and, and he's saying here that he's scared now that he writes characters from different backgrounds to his. Basically, what's going to happen in the future is everybody's going to have to write a book where it's about themselves and they clone themselves and those are all the different characters. And that's the only way that your perspective I mean, is going to be valid. That sounds like a good story, but you can only read it the once, can't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, it's going to go, publishing is going to go the same way as comedy has. You know, everybody's going to have to blandify their content to make yeah. sure that they don't... And no one's going to travel far because petrol's too high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday's Daily trucker. Mail has this important stories about dangers to press freedom. Leo, close to my heart. Yeah, so we were talking earlier about the online safety bill. So the government is, is currently, uh, I think, being debated uh, by MPs and uh, the government 
government have promised to strengthen the online safety bill so that social media platforms have to notify recognised news publishers if they intend to block or take down news content. Uh, so the, the online safety bill is, is basically to protect us from harm online. And that's, that's classed as very sort of nebulously uh, classed because obviously the, you know, websites can't reach through the, through the screen and punch you in the face. So it's, uh, it, physical harm is uh, things that, that encourage you to um, have eating disorders or self-harm. And uh, it's not just that, is it? And psychological harm is, is anything that make, makes you feel anxious or, or makes you feel... So that, that, that could be basically anything. Um, well, the Tories have talked about legal but harmful speech. Legal but and harmful. And they're putting the onus on the social media companies to remove the content, for otherwise, you know, to be regulated, in other words, and if they mm. don't, they're going to be fined. And isn't that just going to mean that the company, so social media company is going to just take, take down everything? Yeah, mm. they'll, they'll basically. Be, because uh, there's, a, there's a risk. Uh, if you're a manager at a social media company, uh, you're actually uh, liable for prosecution yourself. It's not yes. the company that pays, it's the individual people. So people will become incredibly risk averse. But also, also this, uh, with journalism, um, when they say a recognised uh, news, news publisher, so the government gets to, to, to decide who's a recognised news publisher. <laughs> so if you're a journalist or if you're a news newspaper that, you know, such as the New York Post that attacks uh, the government. So uh, as the New, New York Post did with the Hunter mm. Biden laptop uh, revelations, which turned out to be completely true and would have been hugely influential in the election, in the election they got taken down from social media platforms. And in the future, the government could decide, oh, wait, no, these people are criticising us. They're not proper news publishers. So they get, but, they get banned from social media. But my media. understanding is that what the MPs are saying in this story is that what they want to do is they want to implement protections within the online safety bill to ensure press freedom to say basically that they, we wouldn't have a repeat of the New York Post Hunter Biden situation mm -hmm. because effectively they wouldn't just be able to remove, you know, Twitter wouldn't be able to block a particular mm. news story. I mean, so isn't this a good thing, Josh? Yeah, it is a good thing, but it just seems like there's a lot of holes in it. I mean, look, it has to be there. I do think there needs to be some regulation. But it's a, it's a it's a minefield, and, and a lot of journalists, uh, people just start off, start up their own journalism, like Lotus Eaters, uh, or you know, there's a number of uh, Rebel News. I've seen uh, your blog. People, <laughs> people just uh, people just start up and, and start investigating things, and they can often say things that go against the mainstream narrative, and they're the people who get deplatformed by the government. Well, let's move on to a very sad story now about a police dog who has passed away. This is in Saturday's Telegraph, Josh. Yeah, they, uh, the Met Police have paid tribute to a larger-than-life uh, dog, uh, Xavier Charles. So I'm guessing whoever named the dog was an X-Men fan. For anybody. Could Charles, well Charles Xavier. Um, and uh, died chasing down um, some uh, moped thieves who are truly despicable people. The moped thieves, by the way, because they, they, they do like hundreds of crimes within the hour or two. Yeah, they do, don't they? They're out there. Uh, obviously, this is very sad. Died on duty. Uh, it's nice that they're paying tribute to him. And uh, anything they can do to hunt down these uh, moped peeps, please. Oh, I mean, they are a nightmare. Well, yeah. Was he killed by them? No, no, no he had a heart attack. It was a heart, it was a heart yeah. It's always it, sad, isn't it, when a, a, yeah. a dog loses. Do we know if he'd had the vaccine? Let's move on to <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Saturday's Telegraph now. The police are also having yeah. trouble with seagulls. And this might uh, lighten mm. the mood. Somewhat, Leo. Well, it depends, depends if you like seagulls or not. So <laughs> we basically, love seagulls. Basically, a police car has been put out of action so it can't go and catch those yeah. moped thieves that you're worried about uh, because a pair of uh, protected seagulls are nesting on its roof. Yeah. Uh, they've had to cone off the patrol car in the seaside town of Bridport in Dorset. 
uh, to keep members of the public away from it. Uh, and they're unable to clear the, the nest because uh, it's illegal to damage or destroy a bird's nest under the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981. What, even a seagull? Even seagulls. I understand if they're golden eagles, but you know, <laughs> seagulls, what, what do they do for humanity? They come down and nick your chips. I saw one, I saw one nick a potato waffle at Weatherspoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I saw yeah. one pick a whole Sunday Times out of the bin with all the colour <laughs> supplements as well. I tell you what, it was like the size of a pterodactyl. These things are terrible. One of them got a taco from me in Brighton. Well, I'm still angry about that. We don't one. like them. No, but uh, it's the perfect crime, really. If, if you were <laughs> to put a bunch of bird's nests yeah. on cars and then go out and do a big robbing, bank robbing thing. That is perfect. And they can't do anything. Don't give them ideas, Josh. No. Right, we're gonna, we've got a few more stories to get through. Let's see if we can. Keeping with the animal theme, Saturday's Independent has a story about a cat. Josh, we've done dogs, uh, we've done birds. Yes, yeah, so uh, a man with autism uh, who recently diagnosed with autism, whether self-diagnosed or not, see, as an adult, uh, is trying to take Sainsbury's to court for refusing entrance to his assistance cat, which, as we know, is incredibly specious. Uh, they do allow in dogs. Uh, the cat had on a leash and was wearing a yellow vest, which suggests to me the cat is basically being tortured. Well, the uh, cat is... A, so this is a support cat, so right? His support, so he just he, say, he says it makes him feel calm. It's not like there's any official documentation here. Basically, the cat makes him feel better. Yeah, it's not like a seeing-eye cat. Or yeah, something. and I've got a support snake. Yeah. And a sports <laughs> star. Why shouldn't I be allowed to take my sports spider? Yeah, that's what my wife calls it. What? Uh, Goodness me. Why is, I mean, why is a cat a choice for a support animal, though? Like, a dog would make sense. Cats are really selfish. Well, I mean, you, you get more empathy off a tropical fish. Cats yeah. make a bit more sense than some... Because some of the other support animals... Because yeah. people take them on planes as well. There was somebody photographed with a peacock on a plane. But the way he speaks about this cat is a little bit scary. She brings structure to my life. She wakes me up in the morning. She tells me when to go to bed. It's difficult to know how she feels about the relationship. Well, sure, because she's a cat. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is waking him up, telling him when to go to bed. I mean, this is... Uh, well, maybe look, enough of the animals. Time apart. I'm, I'm over the animals for okay. now. We're going to move on to Saturday's Daily Star next, mm. bringing us another crazy story about sex and amnesia. We've all been there. I think we have, anyway. Yeah, so uh, he suffered amnesia uh, within 10 minutes of a romp with his wife, which is great, romp. So, so this, because... is a, this is an OAP, right? OAP, yeah, man, a 66-year-old man, good for him, having a romp at 66. Good for him, absolutely. Yeah, and he lost all memory f uh, of the previous 24 hours, and he thought he'd missed his anniversary. <laughs> so that's the thing, he thought, like, oh, I've missed the anniversary. Now we know why he was having this romp, because it was his anniversary. Oh, so it wasn't an excuse to say that no. I'd forgotten about your anniversary. Yeah, it was like, unless she she might be, like, messing with him. Mm. So, is, wait, well. is, this, is this, like, a known thing? This that, supposedly, that, yeah, that it happened to him seven years ago. Yeah, yeah sorry. It's what's happened. It's happened, yeah, yeah a couple of times uh, to him. So it's uh, called recurrent postcoital transient amnesia associated with diffusion restriction. Are you yeah. kidding me? No. no yeah, total global energy, and it can be brought on by hot or cold water, emotional stress, pain, or sexual intercourse, which for me is all five, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's quickly move on before we get too many of those grisly details from Josh. Now a historical piece in The Independent, and this man's thoughts about his incompetent colleague... They're now set in stone for all time. That's embarrassing. Mm. That's right. So there's graffiti found uh, in uh, engraving Hadrian's Wall in Vindolanda. It's a fort and settlement near the iconic Sycamore Gap of uh, Hadrian's Wall, and uh, it's, it was written 1,700 years ago. And some, so basically, a Roman soldier has carved. Uh, a, a large phallus into yes. the stone, and, uh, and he's also written a word that we can't say. But he's I, but yeah, but he's written the name. We can say it in Latin, though. It's cacor. Yeah, okay. So yes. if you want to run that through Google Latin <laughs> translation, Secundinus. 
So go on. Secundinus cacato. Yeah, so you've, you've sworn in, in Latin. I don't know if Ofcom has a Latin department, uh, but if they do, they're going to be very, very upset about that. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, he's, that's right. So he's basically, he's, he's, he's drawn a phallus. He's, he's, he's insulted this man, uh, this Roman centurion, presumably. Yeah. Uh, and, and they found it. And it's they found it. And that's why, you know, if you, if you do your graffiti with a chisel in stone, it's going to stay <laughs> for 1,700 years. But this is what I want to... finding any sort of spray can yeah. stuff. It's in the Independent. They've, they've, they've put stars in the, between the words and do you know what the word is? Because I still well, I, don't know what the word. I can't figure out what the word is. Using. Sometimes I, I, it's got. Well, you you learnt Latin, right? It, it, yeah, I do know what the word so is. You, but I'm, I'm absolutely not going. To I, can, I cannot work out something. S T E R. Stranger. But it's got a T E R. Yeah, I'm sure this is fascinating for the viewers at home. Let's just say that it's scrubber. Could someone and ends with Well, someone could tweet us and tell us what word that is. Yeah, that would be really cool. If you go to Pompeii, I don't know if you've been to Pompeii. There are fallacies everywhere. There's graffiti. There's all sorts of stuff. And it really, it really reminds you that these are just this is just human beings like everything else. It just reminds you of how little changes. We should go on holiday together, mate. I, I've been trying to get that. You, you want to get that Pompeii trip in? Started. Yeah. You and me in Pompeii. That's what we Check it out those fallacies. Let's it, go. It's a fat, fascinating place. Well, that's because there's brothels and things, and they used to have this sense of they, they should have uh, semi pornographic art on display. They didn't mind about that stuff. They weren't so prudish. So this yeah. probably wasn't shocking yeah. at all. This was probably quite affectionate by their standards. Anyway, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much to my guests, Leo and Josh. And Headline is going to be back the same time tomorrow with the wonderful Mark Dolan. So we will see you then. Farewell. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.